Hey, what's up? Welcome to season four of You Had Me at Black. I'm Martina Abraham. So when we left off at the end of season three, we were actually in the thick of our Kickstarter campaign. And I'm really happy to say that we successfully funded it, which means we can bring our live recordings, what we call our storytelling kickbacks, to different cities. And so we got started this summer. We went to D.C., hosted another kickback in Oakland. And I'm really excited because we are going to more cities this fall. We're going to Houston this month on October 28th. Next month in November, we're back in Oakland, home for us. And then December, we'll be in Miami for Art Basel weekend and hosting as well. So if you want to be the first one to know when tickets go on sale, because tickets go so fast, you can head to youhadmeatblack.com and sign up for our email list because our email list is always the first ones to know. And um, I have another announcement. We've launched a fellowship program. So our fellowships are an opportunity to join our team for three months and see firsthand what it takes to run a podcast and to build a movement. We're starting off with two fellows, one in social media and one in content marketing. And so if that speaks to your soul, Go to youhadmeatblack.com slash fellow to learn more and apply. Alrighty, let's get into season four. Our first story comes from Bria, who reclaimed her right to be the angry black woman after a traumatic experience at work. Here's what happened. I want you to breathe all this in. This is You Had Me at Black, the podcast where black millennials tell true life stories. All right, so let's go ahead and get the first storyteller up here tonight. I need y'all to go ahead and give her a lot of love. Like I said, if you feel like stomping your feet, do that. Clapping your hands, do that. Making some noise, do that. Give it up for Bria Watts coming up to the stage. Sorry for taking my time. Got to make sure I get this on video for my mama, (laughs) y'all. All right, so in January of 2016, I'm hired to work at this nonprofit organization that helps 16 to 26-year-olds from low-income, crime and assault-rating backgrounds turn their life around. About 60% of the students are black males, and they tell me that I'm pretty for a dark-skinned girl daily. (laughs) There's this one student named Keenan. He's a year younger than me, and I'm 25 at the time. Keenan is known for smashing on staff members, but never fear, super black girl is here, and I'm determined to get through to him. I see him skipping class one day, and I'm like, where are you going? He's like, Kathy's stupid, man. She let me retake this test, man. And I'm just like, why is she stupid? What's wrong with retaking the test? We all go through trials and tests, beloved. (laughs) So he agrees. We have this moment. We both fist, and everything is straight. I see him a few days later, and I'm like, Keenan, what's up? He tells me to talk to the hand. February rolls around. We have a Black History Month assembly. I decide to do this poem that I'm known for in the Bay Area, but I'm nervous about doing it. I don't know how the staff is going to react to it, because I've been very, why, yes, I'll get right on it since I've got here, but I want to connect with the students. (laughs) I want to connect with the students on a real level of blackness. I perform the poem, I get a standing ovation. 
One of Keenan's teachers tells me that he's very interested in my work. He has a lot of respect for me. He's impressed. And I'm like, cool, my work here is done. <laughs> the poem also catches the eye of Anthony, who will call Tone, another staff member there. Tone is 28, 6, 5, and fine. <laughs> Brown skin, long dreads to hit right here, but I'm gonna stop right there because he local and y'all might find him. <laughs> so me and Tone are outside talking and he tells me that he likes my work. He goes, I didn't know you write poetry. I do too. So I'm like, <laughs> you don't have to let me hear some of your work. So as we're talking, Keenan comes outside and walks in the space between us. He doesn't say anything to Tone, but he rolls up on me like, move the F out of my way. Now, I want to say something, but Keenan's not worth it, but my light bill is. <laughs> Couple weeks go by and it's March. I'm backstage at another event, taking pictures, hopping on tables, ladders and chairs, getting all the angles for the gram. <laughs> Keenan comes in and tells me that I can't be backstage, and I remind him that as a staff member, I'm authorized to be here. He tells me that he'll push me off of a ladder if I don't leave, so I nod my head like, okay. Wanna say something, but you're not worth it, but my light bill is. By the end of that week, I'm sitting in the cafe waiting for my omelet, reading The Black Unicorn by Audre Lorde. Keenan walks in with Robin, the social science teacher who I'm pretty sure smokes weed with the students on her off days, but that ain't got nothing to do with me. <laughs> Robin walks in and she's like, hey, Bree, what you doing? Minding my business, but I'm like, I'm just reading, Robin. How are you? She asks me how I feel about the book, and as I'm getting ready to respond to her, Keenan leaves over and whispers in my ear that he doesn't think that I can read. Now, I like men whispering in my ear, but men that have been invited into that space. So I pause, and I see how Robin's going to react. She just, totally, takes her tea, and then she leaves. I go home that weekend, and I'm feeling really awkward and unsettled. By Kenan doing that, it triggered memories in me from when other men have invaded my space and I didn't like it. On the one hand, he didn't touch me, but who's to say that in the future he won't keep pushing these boundaries? And who's to say that other males in the organization won't pick up on this? I'm at home thinking the black man has it hard enough in America, but then what about me, the black woman? Our employee handbook states that if you have an incident with someone, to speak with your aggressor directly if you feel comfortable doing so. So on Monday, I go looking for Keenan, and I leave a note with his teacher that I would like for him to speak with me. I go check in with Robin, and she's sitting with Vanessa, the program director. I ask her how she feels about the incident that happened on Friday, and she's like, you know what? That was weird. I should have stepped in. Yeah, you should have. <laughs> <laughs> Vanessa encourages me to write Keenan up. She says that he has a history of engaging inappropriately with female staff members. I decide to do it, because I don't want anybody thinking that I'm coming to work looking for peen, unless it's tones. <laughs> I'll see his girl. Um, because of my age, and I'm not that much older than some of the students here. I write him up, and they arrange a counseling session between me, him, and Nancy. Nancy asks Keenan, does he know what we're doing here? He says no, and I ask him, do you remember what happened on Friday? He goes, oh, when I was playing with you. And I said, yeah, but I didn't think that that was playful. So Nancy asks him, why did he think that it was okay to play with me? He says that he thinks that I'm a cool person and oftentimes forgets that I'm a staff member. 
I understood that, but I asked that we set more professional boundaries moving forward. Keenan was cool, Nancy was cool, Bria was cool, social services was cool, program staff was cool. So I'm like, give me my white coat, it's handled. <laughs> but in the midst of me handling it, <laughs> I didn't check in with my supervisor, Sharon and Michelle. Sharon and Michelle have this mother-daughter relationship. They share lunches, go on dates together, and share pants from Old Navy. <laughs> so I check in with Sharon, bring her up to speed on what's happening, and she's like, you still should have checked in, Bree. It's 9.30. Oh my God, has Michelle heard about this? No, she hasn't. So I step outside and I give her a call. I call Michelle and I let her know what's going on and she just starts yelling at me. Has Teresa heard about this? Does Alan know? Nah, I didn't got that far yet, chill. She keeps going in and then she starts bringing up things about my job performance. And I, I just didn't expect this from you. This makes my department look really bad. I should have been the first person to hear about this. And you're always on your phone. How else am I supposed to post on Instagram? <laughs> I'm shocked to hear this because I've been working here for two months and I've heard nothing but praises from this woman. I'm also shocked because she told me about her own issues with rape and sexual assault, and I thought she would understand where I was coming from. But I start apologizing as if I was the one whispering in the ear, and I tell her this incident won't happen again. But she still decides to send me home for the day. I return back to work, feeling a little bit unsettled still, catching a cold, it's midterm season. So I asked to take off Monday just to get myself together, but it's denied. I come in to work on Monday and Sharon's dog dies. Michelle's hysterical, cutting meat and short because she can run outside and cry and she gives Sharon three days because she knew how much the dog meant to her. Two weeks go by and I'm still sick. I go to the doctor and he tells me to take two days off and rest in bed, but I'm only allowed to take off one because Michelle didn't want to be put behind. When I return back to work, I'm locked out of all the social media accounts. I asked Sharon what's going on, and she says they're just updating the system. But Michelle calls me and turns. <laughs> Y'all know how to work Instagram. <laughs> Michelle calls me into her office and tells me that she's terminating me. She didn't think I was a good fit for the organization and that I provoked Keenan. Even though I told her she could check in with Tone, Robin, and Nancy about his behavior with me. She also told me that I wasn't too good at social media, even though all of their accounts improved while I was there and they are still using my strategies to this day. The last thing she said was to not talk about it on Facebook, but I'm here on You Have Me at Black instead. <laughs> And she told me that I needed to go get an internship because the only good thing that I was promoting was myself. And when I tell you that I reached a new level of anger that scared me, I was a square growing up, but all the East Oakland inside of me, I felt in my heart and my soul. And I cried for days, honestly for months, just out of frustration for being treated as I'm less than and out of fear of what I would do next because my livelihood was snatched from me. I wondered if I gave Keenan the wrong impression. Did I blow everything out of proportion? Should I ever said anything? I wondered was I was a black girl that ever had magic? 
But then I also wonder how many more times am I supposed to be hurt by a man but be told to forgive and forget or it's not that serious? And how many more times do I have to pretend like white women don't see me? It took me about 11 months to get out of my feelings, but a year and a half later, I'm working again. I graduate with my master's next year. Thank you. <laughs> and I also started my own baking business. Um, well, she told me I was only good at selling myself, so I did. <laughs> you know, I really wish I had a big dramatic end, like I went back in there shaking tables and things like that, but none of that happened. I'm honestly just sharing this story because I want black women to feel validated and know that we matter and that our feelings matter. There's that post going around right now about black women wish that we could cry and we got shit to do, but I don't subscribe to that narrative anymore. There are a lot of things that we experience daily that nitpick at our self-worth, all these microaggressions, and then we walk around with all this anger, hurt, and sadness inside of us. Because of that moment, it triggered any other time in my life probably that a male has hurt me or white supremacy and all lives matter and things of that nature. And I had no choice but to dig deep inside of myself, allow myself to be hurt, allow myself to cry, allow myself to be angry, and then dig deep inside to snatch my power back. So the reason I'm sharing this story is because for those women who have experienced this, or maybe you'll experience this next week, I encourage you to be real with yourself when these things hurt you. Don't let this world make you too strong and too proud of a woman that you're not allowed to say, I'm hurt, I'm angry, I'm sad. Be real with yourself, have those moments, but always remember to take your power back. Thanks for listening to You Had Me at Black. Be sure to check out this episode's description for musical credits. And if you like what you just heard, head to youhadmeatblack.com slash b-side to subscribe to our newsletter and unlock access to exclusive videos, behind-the-scenes interviews, and specially curated music. That's youhadmeatblack.com slash b-side. Peace.